You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today uh, as, um, well, anyway, you know what? Joining me today is Charles. <laughs> Hell. <laughs> you know, I wondered, even I was like, ooh, is he going to say as always? Because I've missed a few. <laughs> I just, I feel like I can't do that and be yeah. honest, you know? Uh, I feel like, I feel like that joining me today as always may have to be retired forever, you oh, know? Oh, no. You being out for like three episodes and now Jim being out today. Oh yeah, by the way, everybody, joining us today, not joining us today, is Jim. He is away. He is actually going to Dragon Con with his family today here in Atlanta. And uh, he, back a few months ago at the Renaissance Festival here in Fairburn, Georgia. Pretty sure Georgia. it's pronounced Renaissance. Uh, that <laughs> is incorrect. Okay. <laughs> 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 but he he his son made him some some uh, what, what's the what's the Witcher what's the name of the character I don't like the Witcher the game and Geralt. I don't watch Geralt yeah okay so his son made him some Geralt armor and he got like a white wig or whatever and he discovered that he looked pretty good in the outfit. And he got like hundreds of people coming up to him at the Renaissance Festival, like wanting to take, you know, their picture with him or whatever. So he he was like one of the ones that was a bit of a celebrity, you know, that wow, everybody really? was like, oh, check out that dude's outfit. Yeah. So I think it's gone to his head. And now he wants to go to Dragon Con and have another 300 people want to take selfies with him. Oh, and he's too or maybe he wants to us. up it to like 3000 people. I don't know. But uh, he does. Do you have a he picture of that that you could send to me? I want to see that. I probably do, yeah, because he sent me he sent me some pictures of it. So yeah, I need to find it, uh, and I can send it to you, or he can send you one. I'm sure because he's pretty proud of what he looks like. So uh, his son is is doing some really cool stuff, being able to design some of these things. I think he he designs it in like I don't know blenders. I don't I don't they 3D print stuff. I don't know what's going on. I just know that his son's getting really good at making some of this costume stuff, and he's done it for like the whole family and. Now I guess they're going to Dragon Con and they're going to be a part of that weird crowd. That's pretty cool. Uh, now hang on, is. hang on, Corey, <laughs> hang on. Because you and I went to a con once, right? Momo Con, yeah. way yeah. back in the day, and yeah. immediately we're like, "Ooh, we don't belong here." That's we, right. <laughs> we dipped our toe in the wrong pool, you know. Yeah, yes, yes. Dragon yes. Con is our people. Like, I don't think so. Yeah, it is role playing. No. Yeah, it's not. It's it's just cosplay. It's the same thing as Momocon. Just instead of dressing up like you know uh, Tanjiro from 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 the Demon Slayer, you're gonna be well. You're gonna have a lot of people dressing up like Tanjiro from Demon Slayer. Mm -hmm. But you're gonna have you're gonna have like you know all of the fantasy people, all of the sci-fi people. It's just a big like Halloween in September. That's all it is with no candy. Dragon Con is know. the largest multimedia pop culture convention focusing on science fiction and fantasy gaming. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was a bit more gaming. -centered. I know. It would have been more exciting to me if it was more gaming centered. But yeah, no, it's. it's well, I mean, I do think it up. is. I, well, it, it certainly is more than Momocon. That much I do know. There's, there's a much stronger gaming emphasis yeah. on it. But. Yeah. All right. Touche. Yeah. Well, Jim's a I mean, weirdo. No, I'm just kidding. Don't hurt me, Jim. Yeah. Ha! Ha, there's a witcher here. Ha! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, you know, the only conventions that I've ever really enjoyed, uh, if I'm being honest, were Star Trek conventions. And, wow. And I did dress up for those. I had a uniform and there and you sit on your ivory throne. <laughs> judging people when you're like the only ones i enjoy are star trek conventions <laughs> oh man there was a time there was a time where uh where commander Riker and i came very close uh to one another in terms of like i looked a lot being like able to him. sit in a chair normally yeah. No, yeah no. You always have to like hike one leg up really high. Yeah. yeah. He always steps over it. Yeah. 
but yeah, we 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 have like we had a lot of the, like the same build and the same you know even some of the same facial feature type things you know and I and I was like I, so I have a Commander Riker uniform and I I've always like been you know kind of thought of myself as you know Riker's my spirit animal or whatever. So uh, anyway, yeah, I used to I used to go there, dude. I had like you know put the phaser on one hip and the and the uh, tricorder on the other, and I had all of my you know federation identification cards and yeah i was i was like you know top shelf nerd there man but and it's good stuff you get to meet people that you care about it's like you want to you want to go shake jim doing's hand jimmy doing's hand or you want to go talk to deforest kelly you want to go talk to leonard nimoy yeah i've met all those people and it was cool and you go to like momocon it's like here's the guy that does the english dub voice for this minor character of an anime you've never seen and if you ever did see it, you wouldn't watch it in dub. <laughs> it's like, I don't care about those people, you know, or here's the guy that animates this other uh, anime that you've never heard of. But yeah, you go to Star Trek convention. It's like, you want to meet Spock? Yeah, I do. Okay. There you go. See, so. I've gotten into, I've gotten into comics a lot in the past, like two years. And I, I took Caden uh, to my, my kid Caden to Baltimore Comic-Con last October. And we're both looking forward to going again this year. Um, yeah, and that that was a lot of fun. And then I drove with a buddy out to another con in Virginia, another Comic Con, because Michael Bean, the guy who played Hicks from Aliens and mm-hmm. Kyle Reese from Terminator, was there. So I got to meet him. So like, yeah, it's cool That's finding cool. finding those cons where you can meet people that were in franchises that you meant a lot about. to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just like this is this is one of the coolest moments of my life yeah and also fun. also weird because i told him like i used to pretend to be you when i was a child because <laughs> <laughs> i wanted him to know like you were you know he was like one of the main actors that like he was in every movie that i watched over and over again basically as a kid other than die right. hard you know but right. bruce willis is way too weird that you watched alien and predator over and over again as a kid i steered Dude. clear of those i saw them each once wait why did I was you steer like, clear of them you know i had this weird thing when i was a kid where even like it, if it was if it was considered a somewhat scary movie i just didn't want to have anything to do with it i i don't uh, know why because now i'm like very different and i'm even training my children to be very different like i'm like forcing all of my kids like five years old up to my 17 year old like all six of them i'm like forcing them to watch supernatural even when they were the show supernatural even right. at the all beginning when they're seasons, like right <laughs> yeah all five seasons that's right we're not going to 15 but uh, <laughs> the first five that's you know where they're it's making at. a prequel Oh, get out just i'm, just I'm not out. kidding i saw it the other day where it was like see the first pictures of jensen ackle ackles reprising its role as dean winchester and i'm like guys uh, stop just i might be i stop i might be there for that though oh, it, Corey. <laughs> jensen ackles man he is he's awesome I, He's the new Jonathan Frakes. That's what it is. Jen, oh, you've heard it here, here first, folks. Jensen Ackles <laughs> is the new Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> Call your booking agents if you need a Jonathan Frakes-esque character. We've got the one for you. <laughs> That's right. I mean, he's awesome, dude. Like, you know, when he when he was in The Boys season three, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Dean. You know, ah, oh, so good, so good. He's just. He's such a great actor. I've even gone back and watched him on his uh, soap operas that he used to be on when he was a kid. But anyway, hey, isn't this a show about ex- all about Exalted? Don't we, don't we say that in the intro? It's all about Exalted and Jonathan Frakes and yeah. Jensen Ackles. Yeah. And Jensen Ackles' soap opera yeah. acting career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anywho, yeah, back to the Exalted stuff. You know what? Let's let's get started with Exalted today by going to the news. Well, in Exalted News, there, there hasn't been a whole, whole lot, but there has been some, especially the thing that just keeps showing up in the news. And actually, it's it's giving me a little bit of uh, anxiety, I guess. Like a, is, like a train barreling toward your house. That's right. Yes, it feels like that. I can feel the rumbling. Is Siderials just screaming down the tracks. That's what it is. It's going 
so fast. It's been flying through all the different, you know, parts of their tracker thing that they do to show where books are. And it is now essentially in the exact same stages as the Exigence book, which we've already had the Indiegogo for. So it is in post-approval development and in art direction. So if you look at those lists, you'll see Siderials camped out right there along with Exigence, which might indicate that we will have another Kickstarter for another $125 book before the end of the year. (laughs) And I mean, how does that make us feel as exalted fans? I I think in one sense, I like it because it means we're, we're actually getting through some of these books We're we're, you know, we're, the game is progressing forward at a pace that we had, you know, only dreamed or wished that it would go, you know, three or four years ago. And here we are, you know, one book and then following with another. And then we know they're doing abyssals right now. You know, we haven't seen it show up on the the chart yet, but we know it's there. It's being written. The first draft's being written. And so it's like, (laughs) yeah, we're, we're actually cruising along, but dang, man. I've spent a lot of money on books this year. <laughs> I mean, we, because like, no, so, I mean, I guess full disclosure, of course, I, you know, back in the exigence thing and I always get the deluxe edition and the screen and all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's, that's a good chunk of change. I also repurchased all of the, all of the deluxe editions earlier this year when I got back into Exalted after taking a couple of years off. I had actually sold all of my deluxe editions, so I repurchased all of them brand new. Ouch. I uh, I have recollected the entire first edition and second edition of Exalted in paper, and I've been backing. Uh, Trinity Continuum Kickstarters and buying all of their <laughs> books and even dabbling into They Came From Beneath the Sea. So, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm starting to look around and go, I think I spent too much. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see Siderials coming and I'm like, oh no, any other year, this would have been good. I don't know about this year. See, I'm in a, I'm in a similar boat, except mine was I backed the most recent Delta Green Kickstarter and mm-hmm. the shipping is $150. That's insane. Well, it's also, it's it's like 13 books that yeah. come with this, with this uh, not program, uh, with the this package, campaign. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I so saw it's your like, picture of all of it. It looks pretty cool, but yeah, yeah I that's mean, a it, lot of shipping. It's going to be awesome, but it's like, I, I'm still trying to scrounge the money just for the shipping. Like, I keep getting yeah. emails every week. They're like, Hey, hey, we noticed you uh, you haven't paid your shipping yet. We need your shipping so we can ship your stuff. And I'm like, get off my back. I'm, I'm going to need you to it. get all the way off my back. Yeah, on this, okay? <laughs> yeah so the yeah. idea of like another $125 book right now is like, well, I, I guess that's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> If it if it's close to Christmas when it comes out, it might be doable because you know we, you always get a little bit of Christmas spending money that mm-hmm. uh, you could apply to it. But I, I do hope that it holds off until then. If it comes before, well, I guess I'm gonna have to do it. But I mean, it's gonna be tough. You know, hang so, on. So, so I ha- I had a question because right. you've you've said several times that, um, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought I I thought I'd heard you say that you like the non-deluxe versions of the books more. So if that's oh, the yeah, case, I do. is it just you being Corey, the completionist that's getting the deluxe yeah. ones or yeah, you that's just, no. okay. All right. Yeah. Here, here I'm going to take this $120 and set it over here on this shelf and uh, never look at it again. Yeah. <laughs> because I'll tell you what, now they may have they, the indie, what is it? Indie press revolution that makes yeah. the deluxe books. Maybe they were correct when they told me this, okay? But when I got my Lunar's book, I was excited. I was like, you know what? Exalted doesn't have traditionally printed books. You got to get the print-on-demand for, like, the normal copy. Right. But these deluxe books, a deluxe book ought to be tough. You know, it's it's got sewn binding. It's got a nice cover. The thing ought to be tough. I'm going... I'm not just going to set these things on a shelf and let them collect dust. I'm going to read my deluxe editions. And so I sat in my living room, you know, reading my, uh, my Lunar's book in the deluxe. And I, as I'm sitting there, I got it open in my hand. My hands can get a little sweaty. 
And <laughs> after reading it for hours, I've noticed that I had silver ink on my hands. And I was like, what the heck? And I looked and I, I was rubbing the ink off from the cover. You know, it has like the the uh, old realm script on the front or whatever. And my thumb had taken a chunk of that ink off. Now, Indie Press Revolution told me, oh, well, that, it's not supposed to do that. You must have gotten a bad one. We're going to send you another one, you know, for free to like make up for this. And they did. And that's fine. But you know what that means, though? I'm not touching that one because I'm not doing it again. You know, I mean, there's only so many times you can tell a company, oh, your ink rubbed off on me again. Here's okay. Here's another free one, you know. <laughs> and so like it's like now I'm gun shy. I don't want to touch them. So they just sit there. So which is another reason why I wish that they would just do exalted books traditionally printed. A traditionally printed book is a is like a, an indestructible book. Honestly, I mean, I know people say, oh, well, I had pages fall out of this one or that one or whatever. I get it. You know, if we're rough on them, like they can kind of come apart sometimes, even if you're not rough. I mean, you can get a bad one even if you, you know, if you get like a, a yeah. traditionally printed one, but like the, the, uh, Trinity continuum books that I've gotten from studio two, which by the way, those guys are awesome. Um, but those books that I've got, they, like I, I hold them in my hand for hours and you know, I look at the cover every time afterwards. I'm like, any damage here? Nope. It's perfect. <laughs> and it looks gorgeous. And the way you can do like the, the, the mat finish on part of it and then the glossy finish on another part and then the raised lettering oh i love they that, are dude. gorgeous books and you know what all all of our role-playing books used to be like that all of them like everything white wolf ever did you remember that that first edition uh changeling the lost book from the chronicles of dark oh, well it used to yeah just be you know me dude <laughs> <laughs> well no, I'm gonna for tell me you it was for me it was my hunter book the i hunter still remember book, yeah. i would always run my hand over the cover yeah. and feel the friction where your fingers move from like the mat to the gloss oh, part. Yeah. It's just like, oh. Oh, <laughs> such a sexy beast. Yeah. And that, that changeling book was the most beautiful book I think I've ever owned. It was gorgeous. I almost cried the day I sold it. it and, and like, why'd you sell it? Cause I was an idiot because I thought that I would, I would use an iPad till the end of days. I'll have all my books on my iPad. I'll never need another paper book. So why keep these things around? I'm selling all of these. What a stupid idiot. I, I really go back and forth on that, man. I really do. <sighs> I struggle to justify having all of these physical books and you know, I run a lot of games online, and yeah. sometimes I use a physical one, and sometimes I use a PDF. It really, it really depends. If it's like I mean, a I game that you the don't PDFs have to. Are... Go ahead. I was just uh... <laughs> excuse me if you don't. I'm just gonna squeeze through here. Um, I found that if it's a game that I don't have to flip to multiple pages pretty rapidly, right. then a PDF is great. Yeah, you know. Uh, For so usability, like, the PDF is infinitely superior. You can set bookmarks to like the things that you're currently working on. Like I'm making a lot of characters in in uh, Trinity Continuum Core right now for a, a, a an adventure I'm going to try to publish, and you know I need to the, the, the character creation rules are kind of broken up a little weird in that book, and so I've got each one bookmarked in my little reader, and I just go doo, 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 and I can jump between them so fast, uh, putting all these characters together. You can't do that in a paper book. But if you're sitting there reading something, I want to read it in paper because I read these things front to back every page, start in front, go to all the way to the back. I read every word. And when I'm on a pass like that, I want to read it in paper every time. And I think that's, that's why I probably won't get the deluxe ones anymore going forward either is one, because uh, while I didn't have any ink rubbing issues like you did, I don't want to pay that much money and then have to like, R RMA a book basically and be like I yeah. just got this and I have to wait to get another one or whatever plus the mm -hmm. artwork on the book so far has been pretty good so I want to sit crack open yeah. a nice tall ice cold can of eggnog that's right drink it out of a can <laughs> you don't know my life yeah <laughs> it's made for finches but humans can drink it too oh, and no. Hold hold that gorgeous book open in my in my lap and read it. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, gosh, maybe in the fourth edition of Exalted, we can finally get back to having some 
some traditionally printed books and uh and i feel like if they ever go to story path for exalted maybe we'll have that opportunity because they won't need to have so many charms they'll just they can make some some broad powers that do some cool stuff and it would be pretty dang awesome now hang, hang we'll on Be- before we move <laughs> on because maybe maybe i'm not really understanding something what is the difference between the print on demand books and a traditionally printed book oh oh man so much difference i mean in some cases it's not it's a book it's the same size it looks good when you look at the pages it's fine it sits on your shelf the same way but the the print on demand books the cover is all gloss so that you they don't have the ability to do like the matte and the gloss and the raised title that you can feel with your fingers like they don't have the ability to do that also it's not a sewn binding it is a glue in binding ah, okay. which is just yeah i mean so it's uh you know like the the old paperback or you know, soft cover books that they used to do for you know exalted first edition second edition it's just that with a hard cover you know right. you're just gluing the pages into the binding so it uh they have a weird sound they don't smell as good the paper if you get the standard edition paper which i do because i'm already paying for the uh, the deluxe editions so i don't also want to pay for like the the premium paper uh on the print on demand so i just get the standard well it's like literally like a, a pack of paper you know pack of printer paper that they're just running these these prints off on and the if you are holding it open to a certain page for a while you'll notice that the pages will start to kind of curl like they'll when i say curl i don't mean like at the corners they're curling up i just mean that they they'll kind of bow like the paper itself has like a bow in it and um Anyway, you know, as you flip through it, they don't flip through stiff and and beautiful like a normal book. They kind of fan this weird, like every page is like curling as you're flipping it. So it just, it really has a completely different feel than, uh, than like a really tightly bound print on or (laughs) traditionally printed book. So I think it's a night and day difference. And, uh, you know, you're never going to get print on demand in a store also. So if you want exalted to have a triumphant return to the, to the friendly local game store, eventually you're going to have to print these things, you know, traditionally printed. So I don't know. I don't think that we're ever going to see that for third edition, but, uh, because of just the way they started, it would be too much to go back and try to redo everything. But Maybe on a fourth edition, <laughs> which is a word I never, ever, ever wanted to utter uh, previously. But now I'm actually thinking about it with some, you know, some actually like, man, I, I would really like a fourth edition, which is weird because I was like third edition till I die. Let's go, you know. But as much as I've fallen in love with the story path rules and all that they're capable of, I mean, once you see that you can make like literally anything you can imagine in like the aberrant rules for Trinity, like the, the superhero rules, and, and you start wondering, like, could this could this work in Exalted? It absolutely could work in Exalted. But I always wondered, like, will, would, would Onyx Path want to use their awesome flagship role-playing game engine on a on a property that they only just license from paradox or would they try to buy the, buy the IP again? And if they could buy the IP, would they then go and do it all in story paths and story paths kind of their baby. I don't know. I've been wondering that aloud. We've been talking a couple of us on our discord about all that. Like what should they do here? What could they do here? Does paradox even want to keep the IP at this point? They're not like doing anything with it. So why, you know, why not sell it to Onyx Path and let them go nuts with it like they've done with all of the other games that they actually own the IPs outright for? I mean, they're going gangbusters with Scion, with Trinity. I mean, those games are going crazy. You think Exalted has a slow release schedule? Go check out what they're doing with some of these other games. They're just like boom, bomb, bing. I mean, their books are coming out all over the place. It's like the old days. It's good times. So I just feel like if they could get the IP for exalted they might you know really double down and get it go- i mean who knows i know it's a whole different pool of writers and different writers have different timetables and all that kind of stuff and also the way exalted is currently in the third edition with all of these uh where you got to have 600 charms per book and all that kind of stuff it just takes a longer development time if you trimmed it down and and put it in story path would it go faster i think yes i think yes it would so who knows who knows? 
also on the news front, just kind of rounding it out with, there's a lot of books on here that haven't, uh, haven't been making much progress. They're still pretty much in the same place they've been for a while. Kind of stalled out. Many Face Strangers, Crucible of Legends, Adversaries of the Righteous, Across the Eight Directions. These are books that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Books that are really going to flesh out third edition and take it to that next level. But we haven't seen anything for them in a while. Hopefully we will, uh, you know, I, I've been hoping this will be the year. If those four books get released this year at, at any point, uh, third edition is going to take a massive leap forward in terms of like published page count. You know, you're going to add at least a thousand pages to that published page count. It, it's space on your shelf is going to go from, you know, 12 <laughs> inches to 18 inches or 19 inches or something like that. You know, it's going to take up a significant amount of space. So I have to buy a new anyway. bookcase. I actually do. <laughs> I bought a new bookcase when I started recollecting uh, second edition and first edition. And that thing's like slam full right now. I know you it were upset like, when like, oh, I can't put all of one edition on one shelf. I got to start spreading <laughs> it out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, might, might have to start getting some new shelves, especially if third edition kicks up here. But anyway, it's it's fun. There's good stuff coming. And we've got a lot of stuff to play with already right now. You can definitely make a lot of different Exalted games. So no complaints about that. I'm just looking forward to all these other things as well. But speaking of story path and the difference between the old storyteller rules that have been modified in Exalted 3rd and what's currently going on with all of the story path stuff like Scion, Exalted. Uh, we, you know, it, it brings me to an interesting question that I kind of wanted to make our discussion, our main discussion for today. Yes, this far into the show, yeah. we're finally starting our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and that is about designing challenge and difficulty in Exalted. And I think about this a lot because... Uh, right now, as I am writing this adventure for the Trinity Continuum Core, a lot of what I'm doing is just designing difficulty things for all of these various things that the characters will do through the adventure. And it's really fun uh, because StoryPath has a lot of moving parts. You have enhancements, you have complications to things, you got difficulty that you, you're, you're adjusting all of these different things. And it makes for a really fun, just from a design standpoint, I enjoy writing it, thinking up all these cool challenging things that the characters will do and then i'm also at the same time running an exalted game a third edition exalted game where uh for the i don't do a lot of the difficulty designing on there because i pretty much i know that the characters are just going to annihilate any challenge that comes up so why really get into rolling very much when you just you're automatically succeeding on on kind of everything. But I do, I do want them to have some challenge. I do want them to roll the dice in other situations other than combat. So I'm like, okay, well, let me come up with some cool kinds of challenges that they can roll dice on. And I come up with one. And, uh, you know, I, I make this uh, village in the treetops where the people don't speak your language, you know, and and I kind of set that out as like, here's an optional side path. If you wanted to learn more about these people, get to know them, see what's going on here. You know, you're going to have to do some work to to you know communicate with them. And the, the party's like, no, we're not doing that. We're just, you know, this is too much effort. Let's move on to the next thing. Right. So they just left that behind. They're like, OK, well, crap, that was me trying to set up a challenge for them. And then I'm like, OK okay so now you you finally reach this mountain that you've been traveling towards and it's just like a sheer cliff face and you need to climb to the top and there's like a, there's a whole party there's not just the exalts in the party we've got two lunars and a solar but there's there's also uh several npcs that are mortals we've got uh three mortals uh, two of which aren't very good at anything. And one who's like a, he's like a really decent mortal. He would make a good exalt if he ever exalted, but like, uh, he's like the best friend of the solar in the party and like childhood friends and whatever. So we've got three mortals and three exalts and it's like climb this mountain. Now two of them are lunars. They can just turn into birds and fly to the top. So that's like, boom, no challenge. But it's like, do you want to get the rest of the party up? If so, here is a challenge. And so I, I, I designed this extended role for them. And that's really how you do, you know, kind of extended challenges like this. You know, it, 
you don't want it to just be one thing where it's like, well, roll your strength plus athletics. And if you get four successes, you're at the top of the mountain or what you create an extended role. Now, this is something that's been in the storyteller system forever and in exalted. It's kind of no different. It's very straightforward. It's like you, you choose a difficulty and exalted has like a pretty standard, uh, you know, range of difficulties. It, it, one, a difficulty of one is something that is like challenging for a mortal, but should almost, almost be automatically successful for an exalt. And then two is that same challenge with like a, a, a very difficult circumstance surrounding it. So if the, if a difficulty one was picking a lock, difficulty two is picking a lock in a blizzard or something like that, you know, and then three, you're, you're now moving up into more difficult things. And it really kind of finishes out at difficulty five. Difficulty five is like the most challenging thing you can imagine like hanging upside down in a blizzard with you know rats chewing on your face while picking a lock that's on fire or something are you <laughs> really scared of blizzards is that what i'm learning about you today no they are delicious <laughs> <laughs> that reese's peanut butter oh, cup not blizzard, the blizzard or... i was thinking of but all right okay i do not have a blizzard phobia let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> There's one reason why I don't look like Jonathan Franks, and it's blizzards. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man! No, but anyway, so you got a pretty standard difficulty spread there, one to five, and then to if you're doing something extended, you're extending the role. You choose a target number. And that target number is going to, it's, it's kind of your indicator of how long this thing's going to take. Uh, and you as a storyteller have to look at what your party is capable of and pick something significantly long enough that they're going to in, be able to interact with this thing for a while. And then you choose how long each roll takes in game time. So if you're accumulating successes toward your target goal or your goal number, whatever you want to call it, you each time you roll a certain amount of time transpires on the clock. So maybe you roll every hour or maybe you roll every half day or every day. Maybe you roll every minute or five minutes or something like that. It's all dependent on what you want to design as the challenge. And then sometimes you can put a terminus in there. The terminus is this is how many rolls you can make before you just fail. If you don't succeed, if you don't get enough uh, successes for the target number by this time, like five rolls, let's say, then you just, you missed it because there was a timer involved. So, mm -hmm. you know, like there's a, it's like a bomb the ticking, on the train. Yeah, the ticking clock yeah. element. The ticking clock. You got to get this done before this happens or, or you're toast. And uh, so, so find out which, you know, which train car has the bomb in it before the bomb goes off. And here's the roll you got to make to sniff it out. And you got to get this many successes and you can only roll this many times. So that's the way that the extended roll is set up in Exalted. So the way I designed it for the, this particular current instance in our game, they were climbing a very steep cliff all as a group trying to get the entire group to the top. So I figured that that was probably a difficulty three because I mean, it's you're climbing a cliff. That's kind of hard. And so I set the and you're trying to bring all these other people along with you. So I was like, oh, well, that should be like a three difficulty. Now, I think I made a mistake in, in what I said, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But I set the difficulty at three and then I was like, maybe 25 successes you'll have to accumulate before you can get everybody to the top. I figured that would take a few rounds, you know, a few rolls. It would, it would be, it would, it would make it seem like this was a tough climb because they were going to be rolling a bunch of times to get up there. And, and I, uh, and I was going to say that sounds like a lot, but in exalted 25 exalted. isn't really right. Yeah. I think it ended up being four rolls. So to get to 25, so, you know, which I said took you know, the majority of the day as they were climbing up to the top of that thing. Yeah. So we made like the, we made the, uh, the time period of each roll be about like three or four hours or something like that. It wasn't a gigantic, like K2 mountain or anything. It just was like a hard cliff face on the side of a mountain, like maybe like half of El Capitan or something like that. But anyway, so, you know, I set this thing up, but then I, as I was letting the, the exalts do the thing. And of course, you know, they all have different excellencies that they can call on, um, my one of the one of the lunars has like a stamina excellency i said they could roll a strength or stamina plus athletics 
in order to get to the top. So, you know, the lunar has like a stamina excellency. So she just like adds a whole bunch of that. She gets a bunch of excesses. Um, the solar has an athletics excellency. So he just adds a whole bunch of dice. He gets a bunch of successes. But in the middle there, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of letting the exalts do all the work. Let me let, let me let the strongest mortal person make this role too, because maybe he, maybe he's got a be better chance of like botching. Cause I, I said, if you botch, somebody falls and has to be like caught or rescued by the rest of the party. It'd be kind of fun if somebody botches. Right. So yeah. I figured maybe the, if the, if the mortal guy botches, it'll, it'll spice up this story some. So I had him roll and you know, he had like six dice. Of course we don't stat him all out. He has like kind of, you, you know, you, you look at that chart in the adversaries chapter. That's like, if he's good at this or if he's skilled in this way, or if he doesn't, you know, I usually look at that chart to decide how many dice, uh, this particular character gets. So I gave him like six or seven dice. I can't remember how many somewhere around in there, something that would be considered like this guy's really skilled. And, uh, cause you know, a six is like a three on an attribute and a three on a skill. That's actually really skilled. You know, mm -hmm. when you think of a mortal, so, you know, you roll like six dice. Well, of course he's not getting three successes. I set the difficulty at three. So he's got to get three successes just to accumulate one success toward the goal number. Cause you got to hit three before you can contribute one. If you get three successes, that's one toward the goal. If you get four successes, that's two towards the goal because you met the goal and got one additional, you know. And so he's not able to contribute anything. Now, he didn't botch, so he didn't fall. So he, he just made no progress, you know. He, he failed, so he made no progress. And, uh, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, this system seems wonky. Like, you, you set a difficulty because you know an exalt can just add a handful of dice to the roll. But in doing so, you really make it where if you were playing with a mixed group with mortals, the mortal just can't do anything at that level. And so what I really think I did wrong was I think I set the difficulty too high. I was setting the difficulty to a high enough place because I wanted it to not feel like an automatic easy thing for the exalts. And they did this in essence. You know, I noticed in essence, even hearing Monica talk about it on some podcast I heard her on. You know, they made the standard difficulty for a role in Exalted Essence to be three instead of one. So it's a it's a success if you get three, you know, so just difficulty three is like standard across the board. Mm -hmm. And I understand why they did that. They did that because you're rolling so many dice all the time. It just seems superfluous to even have dice if the difficulty is only going to be one. You automatically succeed all the time. Right. And so their desire was to make that a little less likely. Uh, but when you mix up mortals into the equation who do not get to add a handful of dice, all of a sudden a difficulty three is an, an impossibility. And so that had me thinking like, what should, what should we do with this difficulty stuff and how does it look in exalted? And I really think that that's where the trouble is for, for our group and maybe for a lot of other groups out there. Maybe some of you guys could learn from some of our kind of missteps when it comes to this stuff, because what I was thinking was the difficulty of climbing that cliff face definitely should not have been a one because I would think climbing a straight up, like sheer cliff is never something that a mortal would just consider challenging. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> for some people, it really is an impossibility. It's like, I, you, you look at that mountain, you're like, I'm never climbing that thing. You know, uh, like I would look at a sheer cliff face. I'm like, I'm not going up that. You know? Right. But if you're like a skilled climber and you know, a lot of young guys are like, there are guys out there who are out there climbing El Capitan. You know, they know what they're doing. Their dice pool would be something around six or seven. You know, you think about their, their strength can't be more than three or four. They're not going to be the strongest people on earth. Their skill with athletics is probably not a five. You know, you think like a 16 year old, 18 year old out there climbing El Capitan, you know, that like, they're not, they're not a five and a five. They're not rolling 10 dice. They're rolling six or seven dice. And so this ought to be, uh, this ought to be something that is accomplishable for that person. Now it might take them a long time. So, you know, the fact that you set the goal number at a certain level. What about you know, specialties, level, though? Do you factor that in? Yeah, you could have a specialty of rock climbing that we like maybe take them from a six to a seven. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's a, a big deal when you're talking about an already small pool as well, right? Yeah. But then there's also the issue of like stunting. 
like can a mortal stunt if a mortal can stunt then he jumps from a seven to a nine which is kind of a big jump right uh stunting in exalted really throws off the math quite a bit i have found i i've gotten to the place like stunting used to be my favorite part of the system don't in second edition to me Corey. (laughs) what are you about to do I, I have seen the light, my friend. I <laughs> no, have seen the light. No. And you know what ta- you know what showed me the light? Story path. Story path <laughs> puts stunts after the roll. And I thought it was stupid the first time I read through the Trinity Continuum core book. And then ever since I it once once you've played it, once you've messed around with it, I like it so much better. You use leftover successes to enhance how awesome you accomplished the thing rather than describing how awesome you're trying to accomplish it and getting dice on the front end. Because that adding those two two dice every to every single action. And by the way, in our games, I, I've heard from people that in other people's games, like stunts are kind of rare. That is not the case in our game. Every single action is stunted. Every single action gets an additional two dice there is never a time that somebody does not describe their action to the point where they get two stunt dice so so you're just adding two to everything every stat has two added to it for a stunt so anyway i that throws off the math if a mortal could do that they might could get by with like the three difficulty or whatever but i really think two difficulty would have been the right one for our mountain climb because you do want the mortals to be able to make some progress for the party. They're just, but then here, here's what, here's what I kind of discovered in thinking about all of this stuff. Uh, there really, there really kind of should be a difference in the way that the action is described. And now I know that longtime exalted people are going to be like, well, duh. Yeah. But you don't always <laughs> think about this when you're in a, a more normal situation like mountain climbing. So as our characters are doing it, they are doing a really good job of describing their action. They're absolutely stunting it. They're talking about how they're picking their way up certain handholds and securing things here and then reaching down and helping others. I mean, as far as like a stunt goes, they have absolutely described their action really well. Like they've done a really good job. The, the problem is they just in in my game this is my game now this might not be the case in your game and it's not the case in combat and things like that but when it comes to mountain climbing i feel like my characters like forgot that they were exalted for a second and so they were describing themselves climbing a mountain and helping other people climb a mountain as if they were a really good as if they were a mortal who were really really good at it and that's where i think we went went wrong because that might make sense if you got, you know, if you just got like two net successes for the challenge and you're just slowly moving the party up the mountainside. But when you add eight or nine successes to the, to the goal number with your insane roll that you did with like a, a giant two fistfuls of dice, uh, your, your adding of eight or nine successes to that goal number should not look like picking out certain handholds, reaching down, helping this person, tying them off, pushing them up, showing them where the ledge is. It should look more like my character slams his fists into the rock face, creating a ladder. <laughs> like he punches in, he punches his feet into there and he and his hands and feet actually create a ladder up the side of the mountain. Then he ties three of the people off to a rope. He swings them down 50 feet below him. And then in a giant arc, he chucks them all the way to the top of the mountain. Like that's what it should look like when you add eight or nine successes. And I think that if we would have been doing it that way, it would would have felt more like oh that's what having you know an excellency really does for you but instead the way we were doing it and like so the 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 dichotomy between the exalted adding a whole bunch of dice with an excellency and then describing their action as if they were just climbing the mountain well versus a skilled mortal climber who can't add an excellency just sort of not being able to do it at all it kind of gave the feeling like well a mortal can never play this game you have to have an excellency in order to play this game but we should have been going way over the top with it i mean so anyway that's just kind of a lesson that I've been learning this week, designing some of these challenges that I wanted to pass on to you guys out there. If you, if you have a game like this, like, how do you do it? 
And I know Charles, you run a lot of different you run a lot of different kinds of games with folks online and that kind of stuff. And you you have a game that's in in the storyteller system, right? Yeah. Do you I, deal with this? You deal with this problem of difficulty a lot. I do. Um, I run a mage game on Monday nights, and I'm pretty sure the elevator pitch for that is: How do we make a game where the storyteller always just Every time the players act, the storyteller just goes, all right, well, let me throw away everything I'd prepared. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> by the nature of it, uh, and, you know, Exalted is a little bit this way, too. The characters have so much power that mm-hmm. you can't you can't prepare in a way like if you were running a Pathfinder game, right? Even, right. even if you're running a Pathfinder game, in a way where you give the players a lot of power to alter the story. There's mm-hmm. there's only going to be so much like, wow, I don't even know how to respond to that. Let's take a five-minute <laughs> break so I can wrap my head around that. Whereas, right. you know, in 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 my mage game, it's like, okay, they're, they're trying to figure out... Um, there's this weird tape, and everyone who watches it gets a glimpse of the supernal realm and they can't stop watching it and they watch it until they die. That was one of our first... Sounds uh, like the ring or something. It, it was It was a little bit, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was more like someone had been able to capture the process of awakening and they right. made it into a movie and it just... It was too much for mortal minds and they couldn't stop watching it. And then they just, they die of like dehydration basically. Right. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on with this tape. And like one of their relatives made it and like the, the relative like killed himself in this gruesome way. And his nephew was like murdered by what would have, they'd eventually find out it was a mage. And so I set up this like little murder mystery with this scary, supernatural item kind of at the center of it right well right what do they do they go to the place where the nephew was murdered because they're tracking his phone and that was the last hit so they find the place and they find his body and one of the mages is like okay well i just travel back in time a week to watch what happened and i'm like okay uh (laughs) like sure All right, you know, and they're able with their power to basically completely sidestep the whole thing, sidestep every challenge that I throw at them, which if any of you guys are listening with again, I really am fine with that. I think it's I think it's hilarious because I just can never know what's going to happen or (laughs) or the series of events that will lead to its conclusion. Uh, But one of the characters is um he's playing this like lawyer dude and he took um what's it called it's like good time management it's a merit that Mm -hmm. says when you make an extended role you can complete each role that you make only takes half the amount of time right so okay so if you are if you're sweeping a murder scene for forensic evidence and that's an extended role and let's say okay you guys need 10 successes just you know throwing a number out right Mm -hmm. uh and each role is an hour right but you also know like the more time that goes by the more time that another crime could be committed and then that crime scene is getting cold and so you need to get through this stuff quickly prioritizing and that kind of thing right Um, So maybe each roll takes an hour. Well, he with that merit can make those rolls in half an hour, which is a big deal for extended rolls. The problem I have is in a game where the characters are so powerful that they have spells that can just kind of circumvent the need for extended roles. I feel right. like it's potentially the same way in Exalted. I'm sure there mm-hmm. are charms that basically the text boils down to don't even bother with extended roles. You just like do the thing, you know? So right. what what I well, struggle with... Well, just adding with, a gajillion dice just kind of... Yeah, know, and like it, blowing it out in one roll. And then it, right. is it even really an extended role? So right. the thing that I do struggle with 
in this mage game is how how can you make extended roles meaningful when the player characters are so powerful that they can practically just overcome it with one role right and and i think the the issue too is how how do you set the difficulty correctly knowing how powerful the characters are right because you either set it like way too hard because you know they're they're just gonna know they've got yeah they're gonna roll like 20 dice so like yeah, okay and so well, what you're doing if you do that it's kind of like in this new inflation reduction act thing that they just passed here in the US it's like we're, we're going to give you $7500 toward the purchase of an electric vehicle and so the electric vehicle manufacturers raise the price of the electric vehicles by $7500 you know <laughs> so it's like well that's not actually helping me now because they just increased the price knowing that they were going to get a whole bunch of free money coming right. in you know and and it that's like it seems like the same sort of thing it's like well exalted are supposed to be really good at everything that they're just they're so good but you're like yeah but i want to make it challenging for you so i'm going to take this thing that should only be this challenging and i'm going to make it way more challenging so it's a challenge to you well now you've just eliminated what was awesome about being exalted which is that i'm so good at everything you know so that's that's really a that's really a, a problem for a storyteller you know, you're always wrestling with this temptation of, do I make this harder because they're just so good? And the thing that I've really, yes, I, I agree with you. That is a that is a very big struggle that I have. You know, and my Monday game is just an example of that. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that I've just had to come to grips with, and I still struggle with it from time to time, is, okay, I wanted this encounter to be like a really tense like holy crap i can't believe we beat that encounter like even in a pathfinder game right like oh man they're they're at the book four big bad end guy this is gonna be so great he's so scary and he's got all these powers and then they get lucky initiative they get lucky rolls and he goes Mm -hmm. down in like one and a half rounds and he gets to Mm -hmm. act once and you're like Mm -hmm. that feels really anticlimactic and on my side of the screen it a lot of times feels not not satisfactory because it's like he's supposed to be you know it's like if they just beat thanos the first time they fought him in like three punches like that's not really a great movie but what i've had to work on pretty hard uh, you know on top of trying to get the difficulty right because that is part of it but just Mm -hmm. accepting Sometimes the players are going to blow it out like that. And let's be honest, the default assumption in a role-playing game is that the players win, whatever win means. So if they win really fast, is that wrong? And I've just had to come to terms with, like, sometimes they're going to win really fast. As long as they're having fun, then... I just need to be like, okay, well, maybe that wasn't as difficult as I wanted it to be, but they had fun. And that's really all that matters, but it is still frustrating to try to figure out like, how do you, like, how do you challenge something? Yeah. Because challenge is the, is the spice of drama. Yes. You know, I mean, having something that that's like you you have to really buckle down and get through it makes it good and you know what's interesting i I'm, i've just finished up listening to the glass cannon like the, for, the like the whole seven years of their giant slayer campaign oh you just finished that yeah it's oh, been gosh. a long time but yeah but uh but anyway yeah well you know with it COVID is it's a lot working yes, from home for so long like i didn't have a commute right i always listen to that on the commute you know but anyway um but yeah, what, what's what's interesting about those guys, and it can be sort of frustrating for a listener, is their characters, the, the players on the game, are constantly making suboptimal choices. Like, you're Uh-oh. like, you just wasted a whole round, like, dispelling somebody's invisibility or whatever. Like, what are you doing? You could have done 80 hit points of damage like in that Joe round. like, Joe delaying you know? every round. You're like, what <laughs> yes. are you doing, man? Stop it. But they're doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. They're entertainers. Mm-hmm. They know that if they make suboptimal choices, that the that the thing's going to last and it's going to look like they're all about to die. And then, like, they get the squeaky 
squeak through it. And it's like, wow, that was a really good story, you know, and they're doing it on purpose. I know they are. They can't be that dumb. Right. Like they're, they're fairly intelligent people. And like you're sitting here driving in your car, listen to it. You're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> like literally there, I won't stop. I won't spoil anything for people that have been there, but there's like literally one, one point, like kind of late in this, in the story where it's like the, the enemy straight up told one of the characters, like, if you try this on me, it's not going to work. And it was like an eighth level spell. And, and so the character wastes a whole round casting that eighth level spell on the character that told her up front, it wasn't going to work. And it's like, well, you just wasted that whole round. Like, like you're the party's mage. You know, like, we need you to be here. And you just wasted an entire round and an eighth level spell slot. You know, it's like, good gosh. But they're doing that stuff all the time. Now, the that's that's players doing it in order to increase an entertainment value for a listening audience. If you're playing a game and you're just playing the game to have fun, I don't feel like you're ever going to do that. You're going to like swing for the fences every time. You know, you're going to take that guy down as fast as you can. You say that, but I I was thinking about this much earlier in this conversation uh, that Exalted um, is a very up game, right? Where it's like you you win, you win, you, you're yeah. always going to win, right? And it's you play that game to be powerful and win right but yeah. in my mage game and any chronicles of darkness game or world of darkness game you're incentivized to fail right you get mm. you get beats and you know as mages mm-hmm. you can get arcane beats by when when you fail a role making it a dramatic failure right mm-hmm. and like yes there are there are benefits to getting a critical success, but you don't get mm-hmm. experience for that. It's like you get you get some willpower back and you, some other kind of short-term mechanical benefit, right? But right. those games tell you like, ooh, hey, you failed. Why don't you make this a dramatic failure, which is way more interesting than just a regular failure, and mm-hmm. your character will... Um, will advance more quickly exalted i don't think exalted has that so they don't you're never incentivized to do anything other than mend the max as they say right yeah and and that's what i was gonna say too like there's so there's the player uh sort of guided way of increasing the challenge through intentionally taking some optimal choices and then there is the game system uh encouraged challenge Mm -hmm. Uh, or the the game system itself can do something about this process by giving you like what you're talking about with chronicles of darkness and this you know as you fail these things uh, allow you to do you know the get the beats or whatever in in story path you, you gain momentum every time you fail and then those momentum points are used to power certain abilities yeah and so if you're not building momentum you can't do that uh, and they came from in the they came from games. You're uh, you're building rewrites, so because everything's like it's like a movie. It's like a B movie that you're making, and as you fail, you gain a rewrite to your rewrite pool, and you can spend those rewrites to do some pretty awesome stuff, like call in a stuntman. You know, it's like costs like three rewrites <laughs> to bring the stuntman in, or or to uh, you know to to have a deleted scene where you show where you know, wait in a previous is this scene, movie actually... really written like you're playing characters in a movie. Oh yeah, it's amazing. How? If you've never played They Came From, it rocks. You are dude. describing it, the perfect game for me. It is really, really fun. I was very surprised. I I, I was telling this to Kim Godwin when I, when I was interviewing her for the uh, for my other show, Trinity Continuum Airwaves. We were just kind of talking after the interview, and I was like, you know, when I was like, I'm going to be honest with you because you know she's a writer for for Onyx Path, and she's written a bunch in that they came from games and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. When they came from Beneath the Sea first came out, I thought, what the heck is Onyx Path doing? Yeah, with this garbage, it looks like, so. <laughs> stupid i was like why would you do this to yourself just keep making the good games i don't understand why you are making these stupid games and and then i'm like and then i got into story path with trinity actually story path i first read about it when they did the uh, scion sale for the the 10th anniversary sale and i got the scion book for like 50 cents or a dollar or whatever it was and i was reading through the story path rules a little bit i'm like whoa 
this is kind of cool. And then I decided I really wanted to try out Trinity because I've been a big fan of Trinity back from the original days. I never played it back in the old days, but I had the books and I really enjoyed the, you know, what was there. I thought it was super cool. And so I was like, I'm going to read the Trinity book. And I, as I was like f- figuring out story path, I was like, holy crap, this rules system is amazing. Like it is really, really good. And then I found out that they did. Uh, they came from that they came from games or story path games. And so I was like, well, I like this story path stuff. Let me try one of these. And so I got the quick start for, uh, for they came from beneath the sea. And I played it with two of my daughters and one of my friends. We came here to play. We had a Franken blast, dude. It was so fun. We were laughing all through the thing. I mean, we just, we absolutely had a blast with it. And uh, I, I was like, I immediately bought the core book for They Came From Beneath the Sea. It is a beautiful, beautifully published book. It is, the rules in there are so fun. It is, it's like the perfect one-shot game. Like if you want to have a bunch of friends come over that just don't know, you know, they don't know much about role playing. You just want to sit down. You just want to laugh and have a ball. Pull out one of these They Came From games, and you will, you will really, really have a good time. I can't even remember how we got onto that. What are we saying? Challenge. <laughs> Difficulty. Challenge extended Challenge. roles. Yeah. 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 All that stuff. Uh, I can't remember where we were. But anyway, you know, looking at all this, looking at all these different, you know, the systems, I guess that's what I was talking about. The systems, uh, building momentum. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Building momentum, building the rewrite pool. So failure uh, has an actual positive effect on the game, on the story as it's playing out. You need to fail in order to get to some of these places. But then also just um the way that the system like we talk about like a a bad guy going down in one shot which is very possible with a game like exalted it's very possible with a game like pathfinder Mm -hmm. but in a in like a story path game for example when you set the health level of your enemy your big bad guy you're essentially setting how many rounds it's going to take for him to die because there is a damage cap you can't do more than two injury conditions worth of damage to somebody, for, you know, in a round. And, uh, and, and even getting two on him is like a pretty titanic effort. Like, that's going to take a really good roll to get two on there because, you know, it costs four extra successes to get the critical in the story path. So anyway, um, yeah, so there are ways that the system can slow things down and make it dramatic. And what I've been saying for a while is this is genius. You don't, we don't need to make this like a, like a, a board game or a, or a miniatures uh, battle game or a video game. It's a role-playing game where the whole thing is about telling a story. So you don't need to let the dice take over the mechanics and tell the story. You can just design it where it works the way you want it to work. So in Exalted currently, you know, the way that the system works, you could build up initiative and then go for your decisive attack once you've got 30 initiative in your belt and that dude's just dead, you know. Or in the future, maybe, you can, uh, you know, if we had like a different system, you could say that bad guy's got eight health levels and you can only do one or two to him each round. So he's going to last at least long enough for every person here to get a nice hit on him, you know. So uh, about those things that are in the future. But anyway, back to the back to the difficulty thing. What do you guys think about this? How have you used difficulty and challenge and extended roles in your games? Have there been some cool lessons that you have learned about setting the exact right difficulty? Or do you do like what we said? Do you over do you over challenge your players knowing that they're going to roll a gigantic handful of dice and you want it to be a challenge? And so you actually set the difficulty higher than it should be just to artificially produce a challenge for them. How are you playing this out? Should you know, did you hear what I was saying about the mountain climbing and think, oh, yeah, we need to do more of that. We just, you know, if they're going to get a gazillion successes, let's let them describe it like it looks <laughs> like a gazillion successes. And I honestly, I think that's the fun way to go. That's the rule of fun for Exalted. Just go nuts, dude. Yeah, just smash your fists into that mountain face and make a ladder up to side. <laughs> I think that kind of thing is like super fun. Let's go over the top all the time. So um, anyway, 
Tell us what you think about that. As you know, we do now have a call-in number for the deliberative. Uh, that number, if you're in the U.S., uh, it, it's 678-369-1041, 678-369-1041. You can call that anytime, day or night. It's just an internet answering machine. You just leave your message. If you screw up your message, just call back and do it again. I'll take, I'll, I promise I'll take the good one. I won't take the bad one. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, call that number, leave us a message. We'll put you on the show uh, also you can send us an email to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com that's the deliberative podcast at gmail.com send us a text email we'll read it on the air send us a recording of your voice we'll put that on the show we would love to hear from you we're we want to interact with you here you know give some back and forth between what you have to say uh, so go ahead and send us some of those things but but other than that, I think that'll just about do it for this episode. So thank you so much for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Hope.